If the gospel is not the way of salvation, it is not a way of salvation. And we're not just dogmatic about this, we are bulldogmatic about this. Ready to sink your teeth into scripture and get a bulldog grip on its truth? Listen on some doctrine and get bulldogmatic. Here is your host. Well, Pastor, he was he talked before that one of the ways to prepare for uh, death that we need to uh, feel the glory of Christ's presence. Mm-hmm. So, thinking about that, how can a Christian practice? Christ's presence in the time of death. Mm. Wow, that that one uh, that one really would be a much more personal. Uh, I'm not, I'm you know, I'm not sure. So you, no, the problem is we're going to get to die once, so we can't say. Now, here's what I learned yeah, when I die. Right. <laughs> I might learn that as I'm dying. We can sit up in heaven and talk about right, it. Right, after the fact, you know. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I think you would have to, it would just be a, a time where you're, first off, where you're going to have to close out the world. You're going to have to shut the TV off and cut off the phone, lock the door, or, or go somewhere where you have that kind of solitude and and talk to the Lord about you know, about what's coming. And then everybody would, would respond differently to that. Mm-hmm. Again, for myself, it would be, uh, it would just be a cavil, um, it would be a cascade of, of gratitude. Right. And I try to practice that daily, but thank you, Lord, for, you know, you're down through the list. Look at all the things you've done. Look at all the things you've been allowed to do. Look at all the places you've been. And, and just ponder his grace in allowing those things to come to you. And now I get the I get the best gift of all to see you face to face. That's right. Yeah. That is the absolute yeah. best gift of all. He goes on to number two. He says, To prepare for death, we must remember the many blessings of the world to come. Hebrews twelve, twenty-three says, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. So uh, Dr. Ferguson says, what a privilege to come to that assembly of the saints. So it, it says in Hebrews 12, it says the assembly of the firstborn. So is heaven an assembly of, of Christians? Isn't that the isn't that the same thing? Is that the same definition of what a church is? Right, exactly. You know, that, that, that what we have here, or should have here, mm-hmm. is a hint, a foretaste, a microcosm of what we're going to have there. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's a very, it's a mystical concept, and I'm not very good at illustrating it. But this is one of the things that's meant by the communion of the saints. That we are, when we come together and worship, we are gathering with that assembly right. in heaven and worshiping the king. Mm-hmm. 
we we don't think of it that way. We just and we're going to church on Sunday. Right. We preach, something we do. Preacher's going to preach. We're going to give a little money. We're going to go back home, you know. But right. but to catch the glimpse of that. So yeah, this is, it is true that assembly, uh, that assembly in that heavenly place. Uh, but but I would have to say though, again, this is one of the things that for me is very challenging, is because the scriptures say so very little descriptively. Right. Okay. Now, now, definitionally, we're going to be in a place and we're going to have these things. Right. But describing individual aspects of it, mm-hmm. the Bible doesn't do much of that. And and so we can only say, man, when we get there, look out, because Katie barred the doors. Right. We don't know what God's going to do. It's just, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be incredible. And, it's, and it goes beyond our comprehension. One thing we do know, there will be no more death. There will be no more tears. Right. And have no more suffering. No more sorrow. Right. No more sorrow. So just that in and of itself uh, is a blessing. Is a blessing. After it is a blessing. And even if you were even if you were to say that, let's go back a minute, where we're talking about how, how blessed I've been, quote, unquote. But the most blessed person on the planet, okay, Fill in the blanks. Most blessed Christian on the planet who, if they were capable of achieving the life that the prosperity and word of faith people say, trouble-free life, even if they were capable of that, they still see the suffering around them. They still hear the stories of war. They see the pictures of refugees. They learn about children abandoned and the kind of madness that happens every year is just mind boggling where some per- parent or grandparent leaves a kid in the car on a hot day. So even if your life was perfect, you're going to be seeing that and you're going to be hurting because of the things that are around you. Right. But in that realm, not only will you not have any problems, but there won't be any of those kind of suffering around you. And that's, Something worth contemplating and 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 stretching for, you know. Well, Pastor, if if it is true that the church is to be kind of like a picture of what it is in heaven, why would uh, some people who call themselves Christians uh, want to go to heaven if they don't even go to church? Well, that's that's the that's the joke, quote unquote. If you don't like church, you're not going to like heaven. You're not going to like heaven. You're, you're not going to like heaven because it's, you know, well, it, it, your, your, your concept of heaven is skewed and twisted mm-hmm. and, and influenced by this life because heaven is going to be about gathering with the people of God to worship right. the, the king mm-hmm. in, in, in song and, uh, and, and of course, there's, there's a wealth that we, we believe in a wealth of things that are going to be in the new heavens and the new earth. Okay. We're not floating around on, on a cloud. We're, we're in the earth doing, this is what the new heaven and new earth say. Mm-hmm. The doctrine of the new heaven and new earth. So there are many nuances there. But one thing that is going to be a regular part of that new realm is time spent in the adoration of God with the people of God. And if you're not into that here, I'm not sure how you're going to be into it there. Yeah. 
Correct. Well, he goes on to the third point, which is the final point. And he says, to prepare for death, we must learn to live now in the knowledge that this world is only temporary. 1 Corinthians seven thirty one. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. Now, passing away is how we, we use passing away as a synonym for death. So the world as we know it, is dying, it's correct? It's dying. The world's dying. It's dying, and you know you only have to do again. So this is this is especially true in in our in the early twenty first century. A hundred years ago, less true. But things change so rapidly, so quickly that there is a sense in everything that we knew is is gone. It, it, it time marches on. And as it does, new history is written and old histories are forgotten. We were raised in a particular cultural uh, phenomena. There were certain things that were important to us, and we have seen those things die Mm -hmm. as the world moves forward. Nations are defined and redefined, and boundaries are drawn and redrawn, and so many of the... uh, so many of the nations of the world today have different names than they did 50, 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's, that's part of it that, and we, we don't, we don't, it's always been this way, but things were, you know, because things were, you, you, like I'm trying to say is, so John Doe was a shepherd and his father was a shepherd and his grandfather was a shepherd. And there was this continuity, okay? Mm-hmm. But now that's not the way it is. Very few people grow up and do what their parents did. Right. They, they have different opportunities. They live in different places. Mm-hmm. There's a mobile mobile society. Uh, but all of that illustrates how, how passing the world is, that the things we hang on to pass by. And it happens not only in a, in a, a big sense, but in our own personal lives. As mm-hmm. we age... There's some things we, we can't do anymore. We thought we, and, and we'll have to give it all up sooner right. or later. You know, uh, you people, we, we've had several situations where people had to give up their homes, couldn't take care of them anymore, couldn't pay for them, couldn't maintain them. They had to go into assisted living or, or into a different kind of housing and, and it hurt them. They lived in that house for all of their lives. Mm-hmm. I have a great aunt who lived her entire life a half mile from where she was born. She was the first one in her family born in a hospital, by the way. She lived there, and now she's in a assisted living. She can't live alone anymore. And it's completely different. But that's the, that's the passing nature of life. If you live long enough, everything you knew, everyone you knew, is going to pass, it's going to change, it's going to be different. And this is one of the things that draw us to looking at eternity, where things will never pass away. Right. Which brings up a thought that I had, you know, as we get older, things do change and people pass away. Uh, the older I, I get, the scene, it seems like the more funerals I go to right. um, compared to weddings. Right. You know, uh, unfortunately, that, that's true. 
And when we think about that, shouldn't that make us think that even even more so that today is the day of salvation? Right. Right. Because we don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know. And that's the problem. That really is a problem. Our culture probably exacerbates. It keeps us so busy, as we were talking earlier. We don't think about it. We think about tomorrow only in the concept, I got to get and go to work, you know, but, but you don't know. And we get caught up in our own lives that sometimes we forget about others, you yeah. know, and sharing the gospel with right. other people. And, uh, that's what we're commanded to right. do. That's how Christians should live out our lives. We need to share the gospel right. with others. That's, <clears throat> that's how God brings people into the kingdom. Right. It's right. through his gospel and he uses Christians to help share that gospel. Right. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Dr. Ferguson goes on and he talks about the apostle Paul again in first Corinthians um, 15, where it says, I die every day. Um, do you think that the apostle said, I die every day? Because if you look at his life, um, every day he got up, he deliberately put himself in a position that he could die. I mean, how many times was the man stoned? How many, uh, he was thrown into prison. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by snakes and, and beaten, uh, right. and thrown out of syn- synagogue. So, you know, uh, of course, not every Christian is an, an apostle. Uh, Paul. Well, I, w- I would have to uh, say, I would have to say that to die daily, I think, has to have connotations for the fact that every day I must make a conscious decision to follow Christ, regardless of what that might cost. And I must find ways to live that out daily. Now, I pause with that because there's, there, despite all the things that Paul suffered, and we don't want to diminish those, in, in a Philippians, I believe it is, Paul says, I have, I know how to be content and I know how to abound. I know how to suffer hunger and I know how to abound. I know how to suffer lack and I know how to abound. And the word for abound in that text means superabundance, which implies that Paul at times, despite all these negative things, at other times things were doing pretty good. Uh, we know that he spent the last, well, we know that the book of Acts ends by telling us he was in two years in house arrest, but people were able to come to him. So it was, it was, it was, uh, it was not, it was not like suffering as he did in the Philippian jail. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he had those moments in the Philippian jail and he has these moments of prosperity and blessing and virtual contentment and safety. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we must learn how to die daily, regardless of the situation. That when I am in suffering, I must die to the idea that I don't deserve this suffering. And when I'm in a time of prosperity, I must die to the idea that I deserve the prosperity mm. because I'm such a good Christian. And I pray so hard and I give so much. And see, that's the kind of, because all of that is a pride. It's pride in self. It's pride in personal accomplishment. We we are often guilty, as, as most of us know, things go wrong, what's the first thing that comes to mind? What did I do wrong? 
I mean, you talked about it earlier about you couldn't get this lesson together. And, and the phrase you used, I understand the way you were using it is, well, have I committed some kind of sin? Mm-hmm. When something goes wrong, the first thing we say is, what did I do wrong? And, and, it, and you know, the lesson of the Bible is that maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe you've been doing everything right. Because Job did everything right, and he yeah, still suffered. He still suffered. So I tend to want to take the I die, I die daily, not as a reference to the sufferings that Paul endured, which were legitimate and severe, but to the idea that no matter what happens in this day, I must look for ways to crucify self and put Christ first in my life. And that might mean waiting, serving my wife. That might mean writing a check for a particular ministry or charity that I felt like, you know, it's coming on the Christmas time. I really can't do that. That's, you know, uh, if I'm having a day where I'm suffering because of some who knows what, how can I ease someone else's suffering today? That becomes a catalyst for dying daily to myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, I think that that must be concluded in what Paul says. I understand in that text, he's saying that if there's no resurrection, there's no point in me living this kind of devoted life to Christ. Just go on, let's have a party and be done with it. Right. So I, I don't want to diminish that. But if I'm going to say, how do I apply that to my life? This is how I do, how I think we need to, to be conscious of how can I die to the flesh daily. Well, Dr. Ferguson quotes Charles Spurgeon in, in the book, but I went back to the uh, his message where he quoted from, and I found a couple of other quotes I wanted to ask you about and run by you. I thought okay. they were really good. And uh, it sounded almost, you sounded just now, a little bit like Spurgeon. Oh, so I don't I'm know if that's of, a, I'm ahead of it again. A, yeah, <laughs> that's either a compliment or a, a curse, depending uh, how yeah, you look at Spurgeon. Right. right. But, uh, this is what Charles Spurgeon said in that message. He says, to die daily, it will be necessary that you come every day, just as you did at conversion to the cross of Christ, as a poor, guilty sinner and rest in him. Methinks, dear friends, this is the way to die daily. And if you can always live as an empty sinner filled with the fullness of Christ, as a lost sinner saved wholly by a precious Savior, you are then fit to live and fit to die. Mm, So that sounded very similar to what you were talking about. He also, he goes on, And he says, in order that a man should be willing to die daily, he must be a saved man. He must have his sins forgiven. He must know it by infallible assurance or else death will be able to him of all things the most terrible. So it's not possible for the lost to die die daily, is it? No. No, they they see no point. They, They see no point. Because they're already dead. They're, they're spiritually They're spiritually dead. dead, and they see no value in the things of God. They see no value in the things of God. You know the passage over in Peter where Peter says, a hog returns to it. He's quoting from Proverbs. The pig returns to its wallowing in the mire. Mm-hmm. Pigs don't know they're wallowing in the mire. That's what they, pigs they think. They think, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And the sinner thinks that way. Right. This is what I do. 
They never think that what they're doing is somehow wrong. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just, just their way of life. Right. So they cannot, they never see the need to die daily to the, to the things of the flesh. But you know, unfortunately, their way of life is going to lead to their way of death. Right. Um, yeah. He kind of closes out with 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. It says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have fully been known. So, you know, when people talk about death and we talk about heaven, uh, a lot of people have, I don't know if silly is a good word to use, but a lot of people have different questions to ask about heaven, like how many people are going to be in heaven? Will I see my uncle Joe or uh, cousin Billy Bob or or whatever? Or, you know, just uh, questions like that. But what should the, what when we think about death, and we think about heaven, what should our focus be on? What should we be questioning you about to learn about death and heaven? Well, that's a good one. That's, uh, again, that's so, so might vary from person to person. Um, I would have, you know, my, my, Experience in Scripture to, again tells me I don't know a whole lot about uh, what's going to happen a thousand years from now. You know, I just know I'm I'm going to be there and I'm going to be saved. Uh, Uncle Joe will be there if he's saved if he was in Christ. If not, you won't see him again. Right. Uh, you won't even know. But you when, well, you you won't even know he's not there, will you? Uh well yeah that's 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 a, a question that's a bit that's tricky. one of those silly questions yeah. that people ask yeah that that's yeah <laughs> you know I had to give an I example know. yeah I know you I did could. yeah uh you know for myself I'm always thinking about I've made it when I get to heaven I'm going to have a or, or I think that I'm going to have just the sense of such elation and uh 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 what what is the word uh, I made it. Mm-hmm. I made it. I, I, a, a breath of relief, a sigh of relief. I made it. And I'm home now. And I never have to worry about any things I've ever had to worry about. And that, for me, is, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm not, I'm not worried about what, what role am I going to have and what job am I going to do and who am I going to see I'm I'm just waiting to get across the river and say I made it. I'm safe. I'm safe in Christ forevermore. Amen. And I know we confess that here and we believe that here. But that is when our faith becomes sight. Right. And in that moment we step across Chile Jordan and we say I'm home and our faith is no longer needed. No, it's no longer faith now. We're seeing it. We're experiencing right. it. And that's that's the only thing I'm thinking about. I'll just let the Lord surprise me after that. But just let me get, just let me wake up in that realm and hear him say, welcome home. Welcome home. That to me. Oh, man, that sends chills 
up and down my spine. If it doesn't yours, then then uh, <laughs> your soul is calloused. <laughs> um, you know, when I think about this verse, uh, I think of a song, which uh, a lot of times verses are put in the sure. song, but it says, you know, now we see dimly in the mirror, but then I shall know fully. The song that, that I think of is farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Uh, Jesus, when he was here on earth, he spoke more of hell than he did of heaven. There's a lot of speculation why he he did that. Why do you think that Jesus spoke more about and gave us more of a description of hell than he did of heaven? I would say that it's just easier to believe in heaven. Most people's default is towards good things. And to warn them, you have to call attention to the bad thing they need to avoid and escape. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's what I would suggest. You know, people are default. If you go out in the street and you talk to people, most of them, oh, yeah, I'm a good person. I'm going to go to heaven, if they even believe in heaven. Um, but if they do believe in it, do you believe in heaven? Yes, tell me what it's like. And they'll give you this litany of things. So I think it's I think that's part of the reason. I can't say it's all of it, but part of the reason is because we just are so prone to think we deserve heaven, we're gonna to go to heaven, and no big deal, don't sweat it, you know. Don't sweat it. I've even seen that in movies that are and you have to be careful here. So I'm thinking of the specific movie Amazing Grace, which is about William Wilberforce and his battle to end the slave trade in England. Mm-hmm. And his friend, William Pitt. Now, in the movie, it does not portray Pitt. It never answers the question of whether William Pitt was a committed Christian or not. So I I have to put that in there. But there's a scene where Pitt is dying, and he's afraid. And he says to William Wilberforce, I wish I had your faith because I'm afraid. And Wilberforce says, there's no need to be afraid. Now, if Pitt was a Christian, that applies. Mm-hmm. If Pitt was not a Christian, it doesn't, it doesn't apply. And those kind of movies, uh, if it would brought out the fact that they were dear friends, okay, they were, and when William Wilberforce died, he was buried next to William Pitt in uh, Westminster Cathedral, okay? They were dear friends. But was Pitt a devoted Christian. If he wasn't, then there was reason to fear. And so my point is that our movies, even when they're Christian in nature, tend to downplay the significance of that eternal destiny. And I would suggest that's part of why Jesus spent so much time warning, warning uh, against hell more than talking about heaven. Well, Pastor, one thing I learned from this, studying this particular uh, podcast or this chapter in the book from Dr. Ferguson is that Jesus divides. And uh, we need to ask ourselves the question, where do we stand? Because Jesus, like you said, we're either for him or we're against him. That's what he says in himself. So people out there, if you're watching, you need to ask yourself, where do you stand? And 
Another thing is when we think about death, we can go back to what the Reformed faith stands on, which is the five solas. Right. Um, and that the five solas summed up says that Christians have been set free from the bondage of sin and the fear of death and the lost are not. We are saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone for the glory of God alone standing on scripture alone. And Christians have the unmistakable peace of God. That's the peace that passes all understanding right. that only comes through through Christ. The lost do not no. have that. So Christians can rest in I, I love Psalm 103 and that reads, in part, it reads, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant, and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. And what a blessing that that is, and what a way it is to, to close out this uh, podcast. Amen. Do you have anything to add or anything? The only thing I the only thing I would say is it goes to what you said about Jesus dividing and for the listener. We hear so much about inclusion today, but don't let that deceive you into thinking everybody's included, right? Because Jesus plainly says there will be those whom He will say, "I never knew you," right? And He will exclude them from His kingdom. We are excluded now if we're in sin; our sins have separated us from God. But do not let the passion of the culture about inclusion make you think everybody's in. You must accept Christ. You must make him Lord of your life. Or you will be excluded. Right. We're only included if we're in Christ. In Christ. Absolutely. So, come to Christ. Come Amen. to Christ. Pastor. Bless you, my friend. God bless you. Bibles, Bulldogs, and Beards was brought to you by BibleBulldog.com. Purveyors of antiquarian Bibles, theology books, and other Christian items. Also enjoy hundreds of podcasts and sermons while you visit BibleBulldog.com. Visit BibleBulldog.com today.